You are listening to the Twibbly Podcast, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. Comedy podcast looking back at This Week in History. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. You can find us and or message us over on Facebook and Instagram using TWWWBLY. Welcome back to Twibbly, or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L. With me, he's not even supposed to be here today. It's <laughs> Jeff McLarge. Hey, everybody. Um, uh, how are you doing, good. man? That was fine. I'm great. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I was, um, I was thinking about this podcast, and I've been hooked on watching what are called like first reaction videos on YouTube. Yes, I don't know if you, you go down I've seen YouTube, some of those. Yeah, they usually. The poll. Yeah, it's usually like like eleven year olds listening to Pink Floyd or something. Yeah, it's that. That's a pretty good description of what it is. But it, it, there's been a bunch have, that have come up lately where it's people who are who are just out of the culture that I'm in, uh-huh. and and listening to things like Neil Young when Neil Young was 24 playing on the BBC live uh-huh. and listening to him play like old man for the very first time or, or um, some other stuff of his and seeing the way that they react to that, it, it sort of helps bring me back to like the first time I heard all of this great music, whether it's Pink Floyd or Cream or Neil Young or whatever. And seeing the way that it plays across each of the faces of the people who's listening to it for the first time is really, really interesting and amazing. You can sort of see the power of music. So the guy that I like to, to watch the most that seems to take the most pleasure in all of it is a, a guy, uh, Jamal, also known as Jamal. Uh, totally worth hunting him down on His on name YouTube. is Jamal, but he's also known as Jamal? Yeah, well, Jamal, also known as Jamal. Okay. My name is Bill. I'm also known as Bill. (laughs) My name is Bo. Oh, is that short for something? It's short for Bob. (laughs) Yeah, I watched one of those videos. It wasn't Jamal. It was it was it was two guys. And uh, and, I, and I think they were like, you know, like rap music, kind yeah. of like producers or, or and they were listening to Danzig for the first time. <laughs> uh, must have been shocking. And uh, yeah. And if, if you're not familiar with Danzig, let's see, how can I describe Danzig? Picture a five foot three power lifter who's obsessed with Roy Orbison and Elvis Presley. And has the blackest hair on earth. Yeah. Uh, and it may uh, come out of a bottle. And apparently his his microphone stand is right next to the coffee table, and he is constantly banging his knee on it because that's basically how he sings. It's just like, oh! <laughs> Those guys reacting to dancing, singing was hilarious. They're like, what is with this guy? The one of these that I really liked was watching Jamal review the Edgar Winter Group playing Frankenstein live on stage. Oh, wow. And it's, um, it was, it was amazing. I've never seen the video before in my life. Mm-hmm. So it was a first time for me as well. So it was, it was astonishing. I got to see that live myself. I, I went to see Ringo Starr's all-star band and Edgar Winter was there oh, wow. and they did Frankenstein. He, he had this guitar that he, you know, did the, you know, stuff yeah. on. And I mean, it was huge. It was like a, a full length piano as a guitar. 
Well, what, in this one, he was the first guy to ever strap a keyboard onto himself. Sure. This one is like a full-on, like, I don't know, Roland professional synthesizer <laughs> with a giant fat empty cable coming off the end of it and it's just it's just strapped around his shoulders as he's playing it at kind of at knee level and he's also he's weird he's built like a giant it didn't start off at knee level right it's <laughs> but it's like a it's like a giant he's like a giant stick insect it's like he has extra long arms and legs <laughs> halfway through that he like he puts it down and he sort of walks off stage and then he comes back with a saxophone and then he tears it up on the saxophone and then they pan the camera over and he's doing the the timpani drums with the drummer and they're doing the sort of drum battle part of the song. So he's like multiple instrument playing. And then he comes back and plays the keyboard. So it was a friggin' amazing. Right. Just an astonishingly good video. And watching Jamal, like his eyes just as big as, as uh, coffee cup saucers, you know. Yeah. It was like I was watching it with him live. It was amazing. It was really fun. This, there was this one video I'd seen. It was uh, it was a young girl. She was, uh, I don't know. 16, 17, or whatever. And she was watching, first listening, she had never listened to Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 by Pink Floyd. And while she's listening to it, she's like kind of like pumping her hands up and down like she's dancing. And I'm like, listen, honey, okay? This is Pink Floyd. You don't dance. You don't dance. You absorb, okay? <laughs> you stop stop boogieing. If you want to have some, if, I mean, if you want to have some fun watching people get brought down by Pink Floyd, go look for the reaction videos of people watching or listening to Wish You Were Here for the first time because half of them start bawling. Yeah. And instead of talking about the song at the end, they're like, there was a guy that I took care of when I was a nurse and he was 85 years old and blah, and they all sort of fall apart on themselves because right. the song is really, really emotive, you know? Sure. That's, that's the great thing about music. Music, you know, it's a lot of different things to a lot of different people. All right, yeah. so let's um, let's get this going. Let's have a podcast. Let's do it up. We're going to be starting on the week of August the thirty first, and my favorite week in the uh, world. Absolutely, yeah. I've been look I've been looking forward to this my, my my whole year. So anyway, we'll give you the the run of the ship. You can start August thirty first. What do you got? All right. Well, August thirty first in eighteen ninety seven, Thomas Alva Edison, inventor of the light bulb, patents the kinetoscope which is a, his description was a kinetographic camera allowed the, for the creation to produce moving pictures. So he started up as the first uh, film studio in the United States not long after that, Edison Studios, and they, did their f they were the first commercial movie studio. They sold their films not only into like the Nickelodeon style, which is where you put a nickel in and s spin. Right, yep. They still have those. They still have those at, uh, at Kennedy Lake Park up near you. Yeah. Yep. The ones that the ones that the ones that you see now are like the ones before the kin kinetograph, though, uh -huh. which use a flip book of pictures. Yeah. As and his actually did a had a little lamp that you powered with the crank that broadcast that anyway that that showed the movie on a little screen. Uh -huh. Anyway, and then into into what would become uh, movie theaters, which at the time were like uh, dance halls and vaudeville halls and 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 actual theaters before they were cinemas. Oh, all right. And his films, his films were known for like capturing slice of life things like a boxing match, or a guy lifting weights, or a person making faces. And then later, <laughs> as as the films got more complicated, and you could stitch a couple of different reels together in editing, yep. there were films like The Great Train Robbery that was created by his studio, which was the very first western, and the first American science fiction or horror film, the 1910 Edison's Frankenstein. That so, one, cool stuff. Yeah, that one is. Uh... We we've talked about uh, previously on the podcast that like old 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 horror movies, they're hilarious. 
This one is this one is definitely is definitely weird. I watched it the first time a couple of years ago on YouTube. The whole film's on YouTube now. Link in description. And um and the story of how it ended up being available is really interesting. It's worth it's it's probably too long to talk about here, but it's totally worth it digging up, especially if you're a uh, an, an old school or a film fan. And as as a little bit of humor for this, I'm sure that if you have seen a movie that you hate <laughs> or you want to complain, like the guy to talk to, you need a Ouija board and a medium. But it's Thomas Edison who made it possible for you to see a film that you loved all the way through films that you don't love. He did it. He yep. did it. It's all his yep. fault. The fra- that Frankenstein. Like, I remember my friend talking about it. He goes, oh, you never seen it? I was like, oh, I, no, I had no idea. And, um, you know, so I Google, you know, Edison's Frankenstein. And what? <laughs> he, like, looks, like, cross-eyed and goofy. Yeah, the guys, the guy, the actor's name that played him was Charlie Ogle. And he was a vaudeville, he was a vaudeville actor and, a, a, I guess, a really tall guy. Mm-hmm. Now that some of the stills that are around can show the whole costume, he's a little bit, he's a little bit more goofy looking than he, than he was originally introduced to most people. I know for, for Bill and I, we probably first ever saw a clip from Edison's Frankenstein in the video for Under Pressure. Yes. Because there's a clip of Frankenstein from that film. Right, absolutely. In that video. Nosferatu's in that video too, isn't it? Yes. And... A bunch of other stuff. I always thought that, that that particular clip of Charles Ogle with his sort of hands off to the left-hand side as his kind of goofy face made him look like Eddie Money. <laughs> you're, 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 you're absolutely right. He does look like he's, Eddie Money. He's got two tickets to paradise. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Edison. Moving on to September the 1st, 1897. The first section of the T, which is the subway system in Boston, Massachusetts, opens. I wonder. I wonder if it was a subway. I wonder if it was. I wonder if it was underground, oh, right? Or if it was. If it was an above ground train. That's a. That's an interesting question. I. I. I'll have to look into yeah, that. Yeah, like the. I know. Like I've, the Green Line is I, all above ground, like, right? Right. Well, well not no, almost right. all of it, but yeah, and and parts of the red line are above ground too. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, I wonder if I wonder if any of the tracks are still being used. I don't think the gauge for train tracks changes from year to year or anything. Yeah, so it's pretty standard. It's entirely possible that 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 part of uh, Boston, which is continuously in a state of being reorganized by engineers, yeah. is uh, is still in use. I know one thing for sure: 1897 is probably the last time they cleaned the bathroom over in the Braintree station. <laughs> And it was the last time you could park for $2 at North Station. (laughs) Everybody's got a tea story. So, um, yeah, the tea, I mean, everybody in this area obviously knows where the tea is. But for our listeners that are not from this area, the tea is our subway system, kind of like, you know, New York or. Yeah, the tube or whatever. So. It's our, it's our subway system, and, and it's a, it has, like, above-ground rail, too, to all the surrounding towns. I was coming back from a Red Sox game with my, my wife, Cindy. This was, like, in 2011, and a couple that were clearly there on a date and were considerably older than I am right now yeah. and were all over each other at the pole in front of the door, and my wife kept referring to them as Viagra and Cialis, which I thought was <laughs> frigging hysterical. My tea story is uh there was this dude it was just like it was an older guy i i guess uh to tell the story to you would make sense like from braintree station all the way to the uh, the red line uh the green line yep. so yeah south what's station. that south station yeah. so you know probably a good 15 20 minute train ride at that point right this man with a handheld mirror and a big orange single blade razor 
shaved his mustache dry. No cream or anything like that. Just meticulously shaved his mustache for the entire 12 minutes. And I watched the whole thing. I bet you did. And, you know, at at the risk of being uh, un-PC, he was of, let's just say he was of an ethnicity that isn't known for their bushy mustaches in the first place. Oh. It's like, dude, no one's going to notice, <laughs> all right? You know what they are going to notice? When you freaking bleed out all over the red line. Oh, well, you know, it could have been – imagine if it was some dude with a super wiry mustache, though, and like a unibrow, and he had to shave that as well, dry. <laughs> so, ew. All right, moving on to September the 2nd. Hit it. 1978, Yankees right fielder Reggie Jackson hits his 20th home run of the season in a 6-2 home opener uh, win over Seattle. Not home opener, but a win over Seattle. He's the 19th Major League Baseball player to hit 20 home runs in 11 years, 11 straight years. So that's cool. I'm not a baseball guy or haven't been a baseball guy for a long time, but I remember Reggie Jackson when I was a kid. He used to show up on this show called The Baseball Bunch every now and then, which was on on Saturday mornings, which all of us in Little League were told to watch right? so that we could, I don't know, watch people play. We, We could learn baseball techniques by watching Johnny Bench, and I'm, I may be misremembering Reggie Jackson being on there, but I'm pretty sure he at least came on that show once or twice. Sure. I also remember him from his first dramatic role as himself in uh, The Naked Gun, the first film based <laughs> on the Police Squad TV show, short-lived Police Squad TV show, where his only line was, I must kill the queen. Uh, super <laughs> in his fun. first dramatic role. His first dramatic role. You know what I remember about Reggie Jackson is he had his own candy bar, the Reggie Bar. Arena. Remember those things? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, it kind of, it kind of looked like second base. If you <laughs> did it really, I can't remember the shape. I, yeah, it was it, like this round slab like of chocolate with Krispies and stuff in it, right? Uh, it was either peanuts or almonds or something like that. Yeah, I think it was peanuts. It was like a Goo Goo Cluster almost. Ah. Which, by the way. I'm going to say that word again because it's fun. Google Cluster. <laughs> I went to the Google Cluster store once. Did you? I went a couple times, actually, yeah. They good. should bring back Reggie bars just to confuse the hell out of everybody. <laughs> Who the heck is Reggie Jackson? Why am I eating a candy bar with his name on it? Right. And then, like, you know, the, the people that actually do remember Reggie Jackson, like, don't have the, the teeth or the insulin to digest the Reggie bar. <laughs> it's And it's funny, like, that was, like, right. Re- it wasn't really the birth of, like, marketing for these guys outside of baseball cards and stuff. But imagine if, like, you know, 20 years before they'd been, like, like Ty Cobb, you know, Ty Cobb <laughs> on the – Ty Corn on the Cobb, where <laughs> when you open the bag, it would be popcorn, and then it would call you, like, racist names. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> know what I meant? The, you said you brought up the name Johnny Bench, and, like, think about that. For a baseball player, yeah. that's not really a good name, right. is it? I guess in baseball it's a little different because they have to rotate everybody. But like if he was a basketball player, Johnny Bench, right? It's, it sounds like a nickname they give somebody that's like terrible. He ends up playing with a guy named like Terry Jumpshot, another guy named <laughs> Forward Charging Foul, the Carl Brick. Carl Brick. <laughs> I used to have a thing. Do you have this when we were, you were a kid? The Johnny Bench batter up. Did you have that? I did not have Johnny Bench batter up. It was marketing. Let me tell you because. It, came, it was seriously about $5 or $6 worth of material, and then you had to go out and buy the rest. It was a, a steel rod with a couple of S-rings and rubber bands, like the high, you know, the, the real tough ones, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, like, a, a stick with a ball on the end of it. And then you would have to, like, 
buy cement and like make a make this like base out of cement that you would stick the pole into and then you would like spin it around and it would spin the ball back around you could practice you know there's little kids to uh, practice swinging a baseball you know bat at something my my mental model of this is terrifying i want you to know oh yeah and dangerous you could like set up booby traps at this thing it's just like because we did that more. My brother and I were never sports people, you right, know. Right. Parents were like, oh, we have boys. They probably like sports stuff. And Norman and I were both like, you know, just video games and stuff like that. Right. So anyway, yeah, that Johnny Bench batter up. More times than hitting a thing with a, a baseball bat, we were just like setting up booby traps. Like the brother would come around the corner, the thing would just spin and boom, and you get hit in the stomach with it. Yeah, sounds sounds like a great way to spend the afternoon. What are you doing? Yeah. Getting contusions. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm not sure I like this baseball game you keep speaking of. You know what's really fun? Let's play Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Super fun. All right, moving on to the third September third. Check this one out. 1838. So September 3rd, 1838, Frederick Douglass escapes from slavery disguised as a sailor after his fiancée, Anna Murray, gave him a sailor's uniform and half of her life savings, which is probably like, you know, a buck fifty at that point. Right. Uh, Adjusted for inflation. He hops on a train headed to, uh, north from Baltimore, Maryland, until he hit New York, where he met up with Anna. Yep. And then later that year, they settled where? Right in our and, hometown. Yeah, right in my hometown of uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts. Yep. Yeah. And you can still visit his house. It's one of the national. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. Yeah. Yep. Really, really cool. Um, years ago, years ago, I was. Uh, I used to play in a, a band, and uh, we got hired to play at a New Year's Eve party. Now, I was not really on board with that because we didn't play the kind of music that people would want to see at a new year's eve party you know we weren't playing the covers of the day we were playing you know nerdy prog rock so obviously it went over horrible but we're in this dude's cellar and it was on union street which is you know it runs right through downtown new bedford yeah part of the cellar uh in the foundation of the building was very obviously bricked differently than the rest of the cellar and I asked him, I was like, what's that? What's that all about? And he goes, oh, you know what that is? That is actually a, you know, it's bricked up because it used to be a tunnel that was part of the Underground Railroad. And that ran, yeah, the Underground Railroad ran right through the center of New Bedford. Wow. Yeah. And in my friend's cellar, there was a stop. It's really cool. It's like a psychiatrist's office now or something. Huh. Was, was the name of your band Frederick Douglass and the Abolitionists? Uh, no, it was not. Oh, okay. The name of my band is was Market Square Heroes. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I remember yeah, them. So, yeah, that's actually uh, really kind of cool. I like that. that. That whole downtown area of New Bedford has got a lot of cool stuff. Besides the, uh, the Underground Railroad, there's all sorts of cool stuff down there. Yeah, there's the Whaling Museum. There's the Siemens Bethel. And uh, yeah. every, every year in January. Which Janu- is fun to say. It is. Every year in January, I they do the, uh, the 24-hour Moby Dick marathon which is a marathon read all the way through of of herman melville's book it's super fun if you like that book to go to that too and you can go to the siemens bethel and hear father maple's sermon it's wicked fun again if you're like a literary nerd it's great if you're not it's like there's a lot about nantucket whalers in this that i don't care about 
<laughs> but if you're not that person, it's it can be a really good time. And I, I try and go every year. But one of my big claims to fame was uh, I got to meet and hang out with several times uh, Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was a huge fan of Herman Melville. Whenever, whenever that got brought to my attention, I was like, <gasps> and I was supposed to. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away before it happened, but I was actually supposed to give kind of like a whistle-stop tour of downtown New Bedford oh, nice. to Gunnar Hansen because he was, like I said, he was a huge fan of Herman Melville. And I was like, oh, Gunnar, dude, that's where I live. I know where all that stuff is. You need a tour guide, you let me know. But awesome. Yeah, un- yeah, unfortunately, he passed away before that could happen, but I could talk about it. And here it is. Hey, look at that. This is my story. You like it? That's right. I like it. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the 4th. September 4th, 1682. English astronomer Edmund Haley observes the comet that is named after him. Amazingly enough, he found a comet with his own name on it. He was the first man to see the comet that would become known as Halley's Comet. Uh, what's kind of cool about Halley's Comet is it's visible every 75 to 76 years. It's the only comet that you might be able to see twice in one lifetime, depending on when it appears and when you're born. That's what happened to Mark Twain, isn't it? I believe Mark Twain Saw came Halley's and- Comet two times? No, he came and left with Haley's Comet. Like, it came around the year he was born, and then it, it, it came around the year that he died. That's some significant, like, scary. Maybe he was from space. Like, he made Mark mention Twain. of it, too, yeah. yeah. No, uh, um, We'll get back to Haley's Comet in a second, but you know what's another weird one like that? The Marx Brothers' grandmother was a twin, and her and her sister both, obviously, they were born on the same day because they were twins, but they died on the same day, too. That is weird. Yeah, but it wasn't. They died like of natural causes. They didn't die like in a car accident. Yeah, no, it wasn't like. Yeah, it wasn't a. Yeah, it wasn't a suicide. Weird. That's way no, less weird. It wasn't weirded. a suicide pact. <laughs> <or nothing laughs> like suicide yeah. pact. Terrible, terrible accident, right? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, no. They yes. just probably, like they just sort of checked out. Do you remember when Haley's Comet came around in the? I uh, did it, nineteen eighty-six. Yep. And I remember everybody in there, and their mother would go out. It was like it was visible for like I, I want to say it was like two weeks. Just about yeah, it was, yeah, it was it was up there for a while. And, yeah, it was it was it was as bright as the full moon on the night of the new moon. That's how I remember it, and right. it was it was amazing to see. I remember like maybe about eight years later when the Hale Bob comet went by, yep. and then there was that you know horrific mass suicide with the was it Heaven's Gate? Was that what they were called? Weird Marshall Applewhite. Yes. What are you afraid of? I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of the fact that you haven't blinked in seven or eight minutes. That's what I'm afraid of. Right. Yes, he was an <laughs> odd guy. That yeah. guy. Uh, but anyway, the the Hale-Bopp comet, I remember when that went over, you could see that one really well, too. Yes. But that, again, I don't think that one that one comes less often. So you, right. I don't think you can see that one in the same lifetime. Just... And like right around that same time, Ace Fraley from KISS... You know, he had started his own solo project, and, like, that's a total no-brainer. He ended up calling it Fraley's, Fraley's Comet. Comet. Yeah. I was like, that's so brilliant, you know? Yep. He had the Spaceman gimmick. His name is Fraley, it's like, and it's 1986. Come on. Yeah, I yeah. remember that record very, very well. Um, I can't name a single song off it now that I've said that. Rock Soldiers, what's wrong with you? Uh, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I, my, I just went, I, literally, I went blank. Oh, so. you have an affinity for horrible movies like I do, and I can't I remember the name of this. You'll you'll know it. Um, Brad, Brad from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, Megaforce. Megaforce. I was about to say he's <laughs> in an he's in an action movie. 
he's in an action movie, and yes. like at the end, they're like all riding motorcycles, yes. and it like starts flying, and like it's obviously it's, so obvious. It like is. It is yeah. not a good movie. That was directed by Hal Needham, who who used to be the stuntman for Burt Reynolds. That's okay. uh and wait, hold on. Oh yeah, that yeah. scene at the end with the motorcycles yes. where he's flying. Yes. You know, his friends like pointing at him, like "I'll see you, brother. I see you." Right? That the song that's playing either in that scene or around that scene because I've only seen bits of that movie mm-hmm. is a song called "Calling on You" or "Calling to You" or "Calling for You" or whatever it is. Right? Yeah. That song ended up on the first Fraley's Comet album nice. because a member of uh, Fraley's Comet's band wrote that song. Nice. Yeah. So I'm over there. My friend was having like this bad movie marathon at his house and Megaforce was one of them. And when that song played, I literally like jumped out of the chair and I was like, oh, wait, oh, hey. <laughs> and everybody's like, what the hell is your problem? Like, <laughs> I know it's Fraley's Comet. <laughs> I know this song. <laughs> Speaking of just circling back to movies, right? To Thomas yep. Edison. Yep. But they had been hyping that movie for almost a year before it came out in a magazine that I read called Starlog. Oh, I remember Starlog. That was like the science fiction version of Fangoria. Yeah. Yeah. And I went the first day and I sat there just my jaw agape at how interestingly bad that film was. And it, it's one of those that sparked a love for terrible movies. Yeah. But it was one of the first ones I was like, wow, the hype for this thing was huge. Nobody obviously watched any of the film footage before they did any of the interviews with anybody that was in it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the fifth. The fifth, we have uh, a, a weird holiday. It is Cheese Pizza Day. Yeah, favorite holiday of children the world over. Yeah, well, uh, that's the thing. It's like pretty sure, I'm pretty confident that cheese is, you know, like, you know, like, like unless you're from Rhode Island, cheese is one of the ingredients of pizza, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up. Yes, I was just thinking the same thing. Like asking for cheese pizza is asking for like a car with tires on it. Like, yeah. That's part of the thing. Like, it's like, the stuff that comes on top of the cheese that's important. Yeah, right? that, a cheese pizza is a plain pizza. Right, a plain pizza. It's like tuna fish. Well, you're not going to call it tuna cow <laughs> or tuna chicken because it's not. It's a, it's a fish, right? It's not tuna bird. Right. The thing with, uh, like I said about Rhode Island, the Rhode Island pizza, there's like this certain style or whatever. It has like no cheese on it. Mm. It's like bread with a, a tomato on It's a tomato sandwich. Well, is, it, is that like, okay, so like Chicago pizza, you put the cheese on the inside. Okay, yeah. It's, Chicago pizza is basically like a soup bowl. <laughs> it's yes, it's hard to make. I like. I know that you know over the course of this year, a lot of people started to do all their own cooking because they can't go to restaurants. So I right. know that I started making a bunch of pizza at my house. And mm-hmm. did you? Did, was that something that you started to cook a lot of too? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, like. Well, I hate banana bread, so I didn't have a lot of cooking options. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the hell happened in the spring. Like everybody, all of a sudden, just like loved the banana bread and everybody was making it and it's like okay gross no i started doing pizza sundays at my house what you got a you got a particular like style that you got good at uh yeah i um you know oddly enough for, for somebody that's a, a, a you know rather vocal atheist like me i heard about this thing called ezekiel bread i'm making a spock like eyebrow yeah okay when you say that i don't know um, what ezekiel bread is so all right so uh history lesson in the in in the Old Testament Bibles, there's a lot of books that aren't really like the stories that you're familiar with. Like you think Old Testament Bible, you think of all the you know the highlights, the stuff you see in the movies. But other parts of the Bible have like 
all the dietary restrictions and stuff like that. And there's also it's almost like a recipe book at some point because it tells you how to make certain things. Okay. And one of the things that they you can buy it in the stores, like usually health food stores, it's called Ezekiel bread. And it's the recipe is right in the Bible where you are to crush up beans and put them in with the flour when you make the the dough. Okay. And what that does is it makes you know it's it's carbs and protein, which makes a complete protein, and that's good for you. So whenever I would make my crust, I would well one in the spring. You know, yeast was like currency. You could not, you know, that was, you could trade that for uh, goods and services. You could not find yeast anywhere. Yeah. So I, I always started like experimenting whenever I started making the crust. Like, well, the first time I did it, I added way, I, there was no yeast. So I was using baking soda instead. So I added way too much. Like, I misread. I thought it was supposed to be three tablespoons, but it was actually like one teaspoon. Oh, so you got so, like muffins. Yeah, wicked salty muffins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was a that was a mistake. But once the crust started getting better, I started making you know like the Ezekiel crust, and I would add some garlic in there too. One pizza that I made was poutine pizza. So, is so that it's crust with French fries and brown gravy. Uh, no, like it, instead of instead of tomato sauce, I used brown gravy. Okay. And then I mixed, uh, you know, I threw some potato shavings and stuff like that on top, and then the regular cheese on top. Yeah. Oh, that's, that sounds pretty good, actually. It was wholly disappointing. I want to make it. I wanna, <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing was, like, next time I make it, I gotta add more brown gravy, make the gravy a little stronger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like less water, more powder, because because you couldn't really taste too much of it because potatoes are a grain and flour is a grain. And you kind of lose the taste of it in the bread. Also, that was the time that I made the uh, the salt muffin bread. Brown gravy. It's the only thing in the world that tastes brown. That was the only part that I got right. Well, what, what I mean, though, is like it, it doesn't taste like it's made of anything but brown. I don't know what brown is, but that's, <laughs> when I see brown, I think brown gravy because that tastes brown. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not beef. It's not chicken. It's not pork. It's not lamb. It's brown. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What, t- what does it taste like? Brown. <laughs> Browns, <laughs> a little green throw in for for texture. I I have a theory about pizza. Okay, your favorite style of pizza is the first pizza you had when you were a kid. Uh, so what's your favorite? What's your favorite style of pizza? I, I'm gonna I I have to disprove that only because I've I've been making a lot of pizza here at the house okay. for the last couple of years. This started because my daughter was I think nine years old she wanted a pizza party for her birthday i'd never made pizza before i ended up making a bunch of angry triangular pizzas because the dough that i made didn't stretch right but since then i've made pizza a lot so i could so if i had to find myself in front of another pizza party full of my daughter's friends so i i tend to like sort of new york style which is not the first kind of pizza that i had the first pizza Mm -hmm. that i had was greek from there was a greek pizza place up the street from my house called the pizza joint um, back when I was a kid, it was also so that's that's my favorite style of and, pizza. Is Greek and style. Uh, the kind where you sort of had to take the napkin and blot the oil off the top of the pizza. It's good stuff. Yes, yes. And it's a little bit yes. chewy, but that's not that's not the style that I tend to make, and it's not a style that I can get very easily up here in New Hampshire. So Greek style is like super doughy. There's like a, I guess they use a lot of yeast yep. in the dough because it's it's very yep. uh, it's very you know doughy and. Enough cheese to cause a coronary. Yeah, it's super, yeah. super, super you cheesy. You should definitely yeah. save on the old TP if you eat enough Greek pizza. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> You'll blow a blood vessel in your eye. My pizza, you were saying that your pizza is like you couldn't get it to stretch out right and this, that, and the other. My pizzas are always roughly six inches by eight inches square because um, all, all I have is a toaster oven. Oh, okay. So I'm a little limited to what I can yes. do. Um, yeah, I don't. At least you're not my, doing that. My, you're not doing that French bread pizza stuff. Remember that from 1980s where you'd you'd make it and it would be so hard to eat. It was both sharp and red hot and super oh, chewy yeah. all at the same time. So it was like punishment food. My mom, mom yeah. would be like, "I made French bread pizzas for everyone." And we, I look at my two brothers and we think like, "What did we do? What did we do wrong? <laughs> We've been good. I have good grades, you know." Yeah, I'm not going to taste anything for right. like the next I'm week and a half. Third degree of... burns and lacerations all over the top of my mouth. Why don't you give me some freaking cr- Captain Crunch for breakfast the next day too? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I need I'm a calling skin DCYF. Graph so. I need a skin graft for my top palate. All right, let's move on to the sixth. 1988. I had a. Uh, I think I, that was the year I bought my first new car and it had a banging stereo in it, and it did not play the Hangin' Tough album that was released in 1988 by New Kids on the Block. Setting off a continuous career for those guys, actually. Yeah. Of of making and and producing uh, sort of poppy dance records that seem to appeal to a particular set. And as I understand it, from a cousin of mine who is a super fan, they are very very fan friendly. So good yeah. good on that. My friend uh, Ryan, his wife is like one of those you know die with your boots on new kids on the block fan. Like, like to this day, like you go over their house and she has like a framed autographed new kids on the block t-shirt, you know, hanging up and, and stuff like that. And I actually got into like, like it, it would have been an argument until I just surrendered because here's the car that she played. She was talking about how the new kids on the block were the greatest band of all time. And I'm like, you know, I don't know about that because, um, None of them played any instruments, right. nor did they write their own music. That was all, you know, Morris Star production. I go, I'm just going to go out on a limb and throw out a random name, you know, Pink Floyd, for an example. And she was like, Bill, like I'm an idiot. She's like, Bill, Pink Floyd was just a band. Well, okay, so the, there's definitely a yeah. difference between a band and a vocal group. And um, I'm somebody yeah. who, like, I go back. I, I love music from the 70s, even terrible music sometimes. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of like vocal groups back in the 70s that were really popular, like the Temptations and the Four Tops, and even some from earlier than that, the Spinners and stuff, who weren't Ray, who, Ray, Ray Goodman and Barr. Remember that? Gotta be a special. Lady. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yep. So, so New Kids on the Block was a was a was a vocal group kind of like them, and their album dropped, and thousands upon thousands of tween girls crashed into puberty like an out of control school bus. First time I heard that record. <laughs> My my brother, love in the eighties. He loved Tiffany whenever she first came out. Like he had like you know big old crush on her, and he had gone to see her live at the at the Providence Civic Center. Oh, that right? was after she was already. She, that was after she did the Mall tour, right? That was her big, her her right. big claim yep. to fame was what well, she did cover songs on her first record, and she toured yep. all the malls and she did like back yeah. as an old school but, mall kid, right? They used to have the center yeah. stage. Where they yep, did yep, fashion yep. shows and all this other foolishness, she toured like a hundred American malls doing. I think we're alone now. Yep, absolutely. That was a, even the music video for that was, was, was all the malls filmed yep, in a mall, was, right? Yep. And and then after you know after she broke and she got big, you know she did a, a national tour and she came to the Providence Civic Center, and the opening band was the New Kids on the Block. Yep. 
And they were completely unknown at the time. Right. I think they had one other album before uh, Hanging Tough, right? Okay. Uh, you know, it, 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 it bombed. Hanging, it hanging less tough. Yeah. But my brother comes home from the concert and he goes, oh, Bill, oh, the opening band with these five kids and they're like their big song was a song called Hanging Tough. He goes, Bill, you could have kicked all their asses. And I was like, why? Like, were they all small? He goes, no, Bill, I'm not talking about like one on one. I'm talking like a handicap match. <laughs> he goes, they were all these like scrawny kids and stuff like that. Well, yeah. yeah, they were all what? 16, 17 years old or something at the time. And, yeah, you know. I, I, I think Joey McIntyre was like super young. I think he was like 12 or 13. Right. New Kids on the Block, seriously, for, for the longevity that they have, they, I mean, they could they could still sell out arenas now. But at their time, they came and went so fast it screwed up my hair. <laughs> like, they had yeah. that first album that tanked. Right. Then they had Hangin' Tough. And then they put out of that that second album, and uh, or third album, I guess. And then that didn't do well. And I can't remember the name of uh, it. I, but I remember I, I remember liking the lead single off of it. it was catchy. Yeah, again, pop music is, you know, I got a, I have a long time love of, of pop music. So I'm sure that if I bumped into their first, second, or third records, and I'd be like, oh yeah, this is pretty good, you know. Yeah. All right, we're gonna move on to the next segment. This is the celebrity birthdays. You started uh, You started the segment, so I'm going to start the celebrity birthdays. Like in the year 12. <laughs> Go, going uh, all August, the way back. <laughs> yeah, it seems like just yesterday. Yeah, uh, In August 31st of the year 12, um, Caligula was born. Let me just say, his mom must have got started early. Yeah. In zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was 12 years old when he was born, which is like, you know, Pop for the course of that time. The only one of my favorite little trivia about Caligula is is that's not his name. Right. That, that's a nickname. Yeah. The name Calig the name Caligula means little boots. Yeah. We think the you know, we hear Caligula like, Ugh. but like back then they were like, oh. Yes, he got that nickname because he used to he used to uh, dress up like a centurion and stomp around the camps where his father was Caesar. All right. Next. Keanu Reeves, 1964. Keanu Reeves? Yeah, September 2nd. Uh, yeah. He went from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, all the way up to John Wick 47, whichever one he's on now, um, and on huh? all things in between. Had a really weird yeah, yeah. and varied career. I've always liked most of his stuff. Even Dogstar? Even when, when he was first getting... Well, it's funny. Like, when he was first getting started, okay, the, I, I don't know if it was the same year, but he did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and he, which is a sort of stoner comedy type, type movie and he plays kind of a stoner comedy type, type guy and then he did a film called The River's Edge which is a yeah. straight on like drama slash sort of teen angst movie and they're both equally excellent with equally different types of stoner characters that he played and it was it was the, the difference between the two was so vast that I, I, I knew even then that he would be somebody that would be good to watch as his career sort of continued on so there's one for Keanu Reeves all right, I'll drop in. I guess there's a theme here. So September 2nd, again, uh, Lennox Lewis, 
my all-time favorite heavyweight boxer. Saw him when I used to watch on USA Network. He used to have they used to have a show on called USA Network um, Friday Night Fights. So I would come home from work at my parents' restaurant, and it was on super late because it was shot in California and Las Vegas. Oh, you mean the Colorado kid? He fought, he fought <laughs> out of Arizona. <laughs> right. The Arizona assassin. Yes. Uh, Tex Colorado, the Arizona assassin. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I started seeing this, this relatively tall, super strong guy named Laser. At the time, his name was uh, Laser Lennox Lewis, and he was just destroying people um, left and right, right from the beginning of his pro career. And I tried – to follow his boxing career all the way up until he retired, and I saw a bunch of fights from him. He's a really interesting guy and does his time now raising money for charity and coaching other up-and-coming boxers and stuff. Fantastic guy to watch box. All right, so moving on, we get the third, Mr. Tiger Blood himself, Charlie Sheen, 1965. And also on the 4th, uh, September 4th, 1956, I know you're a big fan, so am I. Blackie Lawless of the band, the heavy metal band Wasp. There you go. He's blind in Texas, that guy. It was funny. He he marketed himself as, you know, the biggest party guy in the world. And there was one album that they put out. I can't remember the name of it. It was it was like three initials, and it was just made to be offensive. They were trying to outdo Marilyn Manson at the time, which was quite the feat. And then he found Jesus, and now he like does shows, and he stops the concerts and has everybody pray it's very surreal strange yep strange right. yeah well they're on my bucket list though i i that's a band i always want to see and never went to see i'd still go if they came around i'm a big fan of bands like that with like you know over the top theatrics yes. and stuff what do you have for the fifth michael keaton okay. 1951 Batman, yeah. the first, the first uh, cinematic Batman. Actually, the second cinematic Batman. Now that I think about it, because uh, they did make a Batman movie with Burt Ward and Adam West. The first modern, and I'm saying that with air quotes, not that anybody can see me. The first modern Batman right. and Tim Burton's Batman. That there was, I think that was 1989 that that came out. And I loved him as the Vulture in the, the Spider-Man Spider movie. Yep. Yeah. Also, kind of got his start. I don't know if you remember the movie Night Shift. Yes, love broke yeah, he, he and uh, he and Henry Winkler and. The first role he did after his time on Happy Days, where he yep. played somebody who wasn't like a, a tough guy by default, he wanted to play a role that was a more gentle character, and they right. both end up working the night shift in a morgue and become pimps. The movie is really funny. Do you remember who the prostitute was? Yeah, Shelley Long. It was Shelley yeah. Long from Cheers. Yeah, yep. and that's so weird because her character on Cheers was such a goody goody. Yep. Moving on and wrapping it up with September the sixth. Big hero, lifetime hero of mine, and yours, I too, I believe. Uh, 1943, September 6th, Roger Waters yes. from Pink Floyd. Yes, yes, the man who gave voice to my teenage angst and adult angst, too. He's a, just an angsty dude. Angst. That band that I mentioned earlier that I was in, Market Square Heroes, our very first gig was on September 6th, 1991, I believe. Uh, I just thought it was super awesome that like my first gig was on Roger Waters' birthday. I, I made like a huge deal about it, yeah. All right, speaking of music. The worst song ever. All right, so uh, what do you have for us for the worst song ever, Mr. McLarchuge? So this, uh, for this segment, we go all the way back to beautiful 1974 for the number one song this week, which is a terrible, terrible song called You're Having My Baby by Paul Anka and Odia Coates. Oh and <laughs> this song, the further you get from 1974, the worse this song lyrically 
sort of becomes. Yeah, hold on. Let's let's play a clip real quick. Yeah, wow. That's uh that's some sh- that's some schlock right there. It's, that's a- <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. You know, the song always made me as a, as I grew older in the 70s, but it would be it would have been funny to watch like Helen Reddy who from I Am Woman Hear Me Roar like just suplex Paul Anka <laughs> on stage at the Grammys or something when when the song was number 1. Uh, I want I feel like I uh, should apologize to the all women in the world for the song. <laughs> Hold on, let's uh let's check out some of these lyrics here. Hold on. Oh. Having my baby what a lovely way of saying how much you love me. You're having my baby. What a lovely way of saying what you're thinking of me. I can see like the 2020 remake of it. It's like, you're having my baby. You're setting up your very own GoFundMe. Or the sequel song. You know, <laughs> you're not helping with the baby. You know, I spend all day here up to my elbows in dirty diapers. You know? <laughs> the need inside you, I see it showing. Oh, the seed inside you, baby, do you feel it growing? Yeah. What the hell? Yes. And, you're glowing and, now. And and in, in seven months, you're going to look like you're about to pop. Yes. And <laughs> it gets baby. so much better at the end. <laughs> like, imagine this. This is 1974. Like, when did Roe versus Wade go through? 73? Yeah. Jan- uh, January or February of 1973. Yeah. All right, so here, here it is, like a, like a year and a half later, and then we get this lyric. Didn't have to keep it. Wouldn't put you through it. You could have swept it from your life, but you wouldn't do it. Like, what kind of propaganda pro-life song is well, this? Uh, uh, the thing with... um with like the 70s music like all all music from the 70s it just seems like it's older people that listen to it yes like the demographic for pop music is 14 to 24 there's your demographic right. it's probably a little younger now but right. most part it's 14 to 24 but 70s contemporary music it's all like 30 40 year olds that would like that stuff yes like i i don't yeah but i mean popular radio Pop music radio in the 70s is different than rock and roll radio in the 70s, too. Like, rock and roll radio in the 70s was what the kids listened to, right? I I still go back and listen to American Top 40 on, like, one of the satellite stations that plays, like, all the songs of 1940, 1970, 72, 73, 74, whatever, on Saturdays. And what astounds me is just how much just dreadful, astonishingly bad, like, uh, you have to, if you were trying to explain 1970s music to a space alien, (laughs) and you had to try and explain... This song, right? You're having my baby with a straight face, or convoy, or oh my disco God. duck, or hold on, save them. We're gonna have more episodes. <laughs> we, yeah, we'll have more episodes. Or you, you, they'd probably just declare war on Earth. All right, so that wraps up our episode. All right, say good night, Jeff. Good night, Jeff. All right, see you guys. Special thanks to James Coster for our theme music. Thank you so much for listening to Twibley. This week was way better last year. You can follow and or message us over on Instagram or on Facebook at T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure you tell your friends if you like our show. And if you don't like our show, tell your friends you did like it. It'll be a great prank you can play on them. Have a good week, guys.